0: ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio.
1: You're listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80 and ESPN+. Plus. It's your boy, Chris Canny, rocking with my main girl, Amber Wilson. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Vince, Brian, Corey, Kendall, we see you on the Canny call-in line. We're going to get back to the Raiders conversation in a second. But right now, Amber, we got to react to what we saw last night at Barclays Arena with the Brooklyn Nets beating the Cleveland Cavaliers 115-108. One, to 108 in the 7-8 Eastern Conference play-in game, and the Nets led that game wire-to-wire, but it seemed like the Cavs made that thing a little closer than we expected in crunch time minutes. What did you think, what did you make from last night's game?
2: I made from last night's game that superstars win NBA games because that's what you saw last night from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And so the conversation, of course, naturally, as they move forward here with the first rounds of the playoffs against a very good Boston Celtics team is going to be is that sustainable for this team. But that's the entire construction of this Brooklyn Nets team is reliant on those two guys. And we saw Kevin Durant with a shoe size being the problem when he was out there practically by himself darn self, almost able to get it done. So now he's in a position with a Kyrie Irving, who is not only available every night, but is coming to play. And that's what I took out of last night. Yes, it's probably unrealistic to expect Kyrie to have have perfect halves and darn near perfect games like he did every single night of a series. But I don't think it's outlandish, Chris, to expect superstars to act like superstars during the playoffs. It is going to take monster performances night in and night out from KD and Kyrie Irving. But those guys are elite players in the NBA. I don't think it's too much to ask.
1: It's time for Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And here's the thing, Amber, I don't know how sustainable that is playing 40-plus minutes every single playoff game talk over the course of a long series with the expectation that you got to get through three rounds of Eastern Conference teams before you can get to the NBA Finals, I think that's a tall task even for KD and Kyrie. And yesterday, they were absolutely phenomenal. They scored 59 points, but they scored and assisted on 93 of the 115 points that the Brooklyn Nets scored. So that's 81% of the points scored went through KD and Kyrie for sports fans keeping track at home. That's a tall ask for any tandem in the NBA in playoff basketball. I I just don't see them being able to sustain that in terms of that type of offensive output, and that's why I think what we saw last night has got to be alarming if you think that the Brooklyn Nets could potentially go on a run because defensively they were absolutely atrocious. They doubled up on the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first quarter. The final score of the first quarter was 40-20. to 20, And yet the Cavs were able to cut that lead to five points within the final five minutes of that game. Those types of things can't happen. The Cleveland Cavaliers are a largely inexperienced group of, group of players on that team. Outside of Kevin Love and John Rondo, not a lot of championship-level experience. Darius Garland, this is his first rodeo. And so understanding that this is what you are up against and allowing them to hang around, that's something that a a team with title aspirations shouldn't be doing. Now, I I get it. Kyrie Irving and KD are just that good where it didn't seem to matter. But against better competition, you could find yourself in trouble. And that's why it's hard for me to sit here and think that the, the Brooklyn Nets can go on a title run knowing that in the first round they're getting the Boston Celtics which is the second-best team in the NBA according to defensive efficiency. Then after that, they're probably going to face the Milwaukee Bucks if the Bucks can take care of business against the Chicago Bulls. And then after that, you're talking about a date with the Miami Heat, the Toronto Raptors, or the Philadelphia 76ers. Take your pick. All I'm simply saying is this. I don't know that we can sit here and say that we have confidence that Brooklyn is going to be able to go through that gauntlet on their way to a championship run.
2: I'm not saying that there aren't concerns when it comes to this Brooklyn Nets team. But what I am saying is what we saw last night is that this is a, a formidable team when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are out there playing at their most elite levels. And we haven't seen them doing that together all that often this season. Is it realistic to ask them to put up 59 every night combined or 21 of 31 shooting like they did last night? Irving made his first 12 shots last night. Is that sustainable or realistic? Probably not. But we saw them do that last night against an elite team defensively let's not take anything away from who the Cleveland Cavaliers are yes they are young like you mentioned yes they are inexperienced like you mentioned but they are an elite team at least in the regular season defensively and that's who they went up against last night now they're about to run into another elite defensive team in the Boston Celtics and we'll see how that one goes because they've got a bit more offensive power out there as well but to see the Nets do that to that Cleveland Cavs team it wasn't like the Nets were facing you know a terrible team I mean they're they're facing a team that finished the regular season with the same record as them they're facing a team that was very deserved of being in that play-in type scenario and is very much alive still in a play-in tournament could still make the playoffs in their own right so I do think that there are concerns of course when it comes to Brooklyn defensively it's just Mm. going to come down to if they can mirror that same sort of offensive production again and when you're talking about two of the most elite players in the nba i don't know if it's completely out of the conversation out of the realm of possibility that they could
1: you're right about that and, and i and, and i'm not saying that they don't have a chance what i'm saying is i don't like their chance and that's do straight you like talk their wireless?
2: chances do you like their chances that ben simmons comes back
1: uh, I don't even know if you can factor in Ben Simmons into the math. I-, I just don't. I mean, if you're talking about Ben Simmons auditioning to be a model on Fashion Week with the green lamb short suit, then maybe. <laughs> but as far as him being a factor when it comes to this NBA postseason – I'm not going to bet on it. And that's Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. I do think it's interesting going into this series against Boston. First of all, you're talking about Kyrie Irving going up against another one of his former teams in the Boston Celtics after just beating his former team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, in the play-in game. So you know there's going to be a lot of spice when he walks into TD Garden, Amber. But then the other thing is, according to Bovada Sportsbook, you're talking about the Boston Celtics. Being favored in the series. I think they're at minus 135 right now. So they are the favorite in this series, albeit a slight favorite. They're still favored in this series, even without Robert Williams, their defensive shot blocker, their big man um being available to them. So I, I think this is setting up for uh an interesting mashup. A lot of storylines. Can Jason Tatum essentially take the mantle from Kevin Durant? Can Jalen Brown show up and be that guy that they need him to be if the Brooklyn Nets decide they're going to take away Jason Tatum? I think all of these things are fascinating to watch. M.A. Adoka going up against Steve Nash. The pressure that is going to be on both of these head coaches. I think this is going to be a really spicy first-round matchup, and we typically don't see matchups like this in, at this stage in the playoffs.
2: It's going to be a very spicy matchup. It is going to matter that Robin Robert Williams is not out there for the Boston Celtics. Like, Bruce Brown's not allowed to say it, but go ahead and allow me to say it for them <laughs> because that Celtics team has it defensively has been suffocating this season. They have been suffocating opponents with their size and their versatility, and they need him for at least that former component of things for that Celtics team. So I do think that changes things a bit in this matchup for the Celtics. 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 This one is not cut and dry for me either way. I do think right now, the reason that the Celtics are favored has something to do with how the money is moving, right? When it comes to Mm -hmm. the gambling, you know, all that stuff far better than I know all that stuff, but I'm not sure that it's just that Vegas feels like the Celtics are actually the better team as they're currently constructed. I also always have my concerns with, you know, the Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown trio. Are they going to show up in a big way and get it done here? They're up against major superstars. You said, can can Jason Tatum uh, grab the torch from Kevin Durant? I mean, to me, I'm not even willing to put those two in the same conversation. Yet, as great as Jason Tatum is, to me, he's he's not in the same conversation as a KD yet at this point in his five-year-long career. So I think that there's a lot of juice to this matchup early on.
1: But Amber, here, let me ask you this question: If Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics advance to the second round and get past the Brooklyn Nets, say five or six games, are, are we not ready to start to put Jason Tatum in that conversation as one of the best For players a in the second world? Second
2: round appearance. No, like at some point Jason Tatum. Well, I mean, he's like, already gotten Boston to the Eastern Celtics Conference 16. He's
1: gotten to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, and they lost to a LeBron James team that won an NBA title. So, I, I, I mean, we've already seen him get that far. Like, it's not like he can't go on a deep playoff run. My question is, if in a head-to-head situation, knowing that both teams in their own ways are shorthanded, if Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics find a way to beat the Kevin Durant-led Brooklyn Nets, are we ready to start talking about Tatum in that way? I'm well,
2: just curious. We, we, we saw this team get to Eastern Conference Finals a couple years ago. Too. Listen, I, I think this Boston Celtics team has been very, very up and down over the five okay. years that Jason Tatum has been on this team. There are times that this team Kyrie has was a wildly underperformed like last season. There were times that this team lived a little bit more up to expectations. But at some point here, when you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and they're this far into their NBA careers, even though Jason Tatum just turned 24 years old, everybody considers him this you know elite elite player we did the espn's top 25 under 25 yesterday he's second on the list if you're going to be the second best player in the entire nba at your age or in your age group then at some point you're not just making eastern conference finals appearances but you've got to be winning eastern conference finals for us to have even a entertain a conversation of you being compared to some of the greatest who have ever done it like a kevin durant
1: all right well there it is i will throw this out there amber the Boston Celtics are three and one against the Brooklyn Nets this season. Just just putting that out there. Now I yes, know that's not the, the Brooklyn but Nets but full strength. We gotta we gotta put that Irving. They to didn't the have Harden. Four, and they didn't
2: have KD for part of that.
1: You, you play probably. a team four times in a year and you you won three of them. Just just putting that out there. Coming up next, we check in on they, the scene in Atlanta as the Hawks prepare for their playing matchup against the Charlotte Hornets. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Kenny, ESPN Radio.
0: ESPN radio
1: Rocking with Amber Wilson and Chris candy on ESPN radio and E And we're presented by progressive insurance. Hit us up on the candy call in line, triple eight say ESPN that's 888-729-3776. And Amber, the Las Vegas Raiders fans won't stop coming out of the woodwork because they are caping for their guy, Derek Carr. And they believe that the franchise is justified in giving them that bag to the tune of a three-year extension for $121.5 million. So for more on that, let's go out to the candy call-in line and bring on Vince in Tucson. Vince, you're on ESPN Radio. What up?
3: Hey. Thank you guys for having me, man. I I mean, I got a lot to say, so I'm going to try to make it quick, not take so much time. Uh, First thing, I love it when they do the ed. Thank you guys for having me. Amber, you're awesome. You're amazing. So...
2: Thanks, Vince. Take note, appreciate everyone. It.
3: Appreciate y'all. Uh, Raiders, man, since I've been born and raised, for example, fourth grade, I lost $40 with a kid to the Super Bowl, Buccaneers, and I got to watch my entire youth uh, just, like, bash the heck out of Rich Gannon. One thing us Raiders don't do, we don't appreciate our quarterback when we have him. Now, with that being said, Derek Carr, talking about elite, ah, I'm not going to jump on that, guys. And on top of that, I mean – Forty million? Are you talking about this extension? I wouldn't have given it to him so soon because I get he's had to deal with all the changes and instability in our in our in our franchise. But he's always praised how he wants and dies and loves to be a Raider. So I need him to prove that he could have waited another year. I mean, taking all that money is like stealing from the homies. You know, gotta spread some love. Take take note from Tom Brady, six round pick. You know, wasn't a physical specimen like these quarterbacks we see nowadays. So, you know, he should have spread some love, you know, maybe waited a little bit. Uh, He's got everything he has and needs right now to prove to us, you know, that we can do it. And, you know, by then, you know, I'll give him some love. He's not an elite quarterback. He's a good quarterback. That can be great. That's comparison to guys like, you know, Matthew Stafford. I'm sure, you know, the Lions are, you know, hating what they did now. But again, he had everything around him to succeed, and he is a good quarterback with great potential, but he is a liability. Derek Carr, Vince basically wow. has, Vin, wow. Vince basically wants Derek
2: Carr to uh, spread to the love you know, and, and not take the money so that the Raiders can be better. And frankly, Derek Carr doesn't even need to do that because of the way that they structure this contract. Like, they have the pieces that they need to have right now.
1: No doubt about it. And the Raiders have it all set up on the offensive end, but that's not where the questions for the franchise are. It's on the defensive side of the ball and whether or not they got a head coach, but we'll have more on the Raiders conversation and your calls a little bit later in the show. But right now, Amber, we got to go out to the candy call in line to bring on Trevor scales, Bally sports Atlanta, and also on the play-by-play broadcast for the Atlanta Hawks game. Trevor, Thanks for jumping on with us. And of course, we want to preview tonight's matchup with the Charlotte Hornets in the 9 10 game in the Eastern Conference in the NBA play in tournament. What's the biggest concern for the Hawks going into this matchup with the Hornets?
0: Oh, hey, brother, appreciate y'all having me, first of all. I uh, just want to get that out the way. But first things first for that Hawks team is defense, right? That has been the paramount issue for that team throughout the entire uh, season. They have found that identity lately. They have been able to make sure they get over screens, defend the perimeter as best as they could, especially given the personnel. They don't have too many defensive stoppers in large part, but they have found at least a hustle about themselves on that end of the floor, and that's going to be the differentiating factor. because we all know the pace at which Charlotte likes to play, and Atlanta is perfectly capable of doing the same. But so long as you can get the timely stops that you need in an NBA game, that's what's going to be the differentiating factor for these Hawks.
2: Trevor, you mentioned there that they have gotten better defensively and certainly they needed to do that. The first half of the season, they were really disappointing in that area. I wonder from your perspective, have they been kind of disappointing in terms of their regular season? Overall, we are talking about a team that was in the Eastern conference finals last season, big expectations around their young star. And now we're in a scenario where, you know, are they even going to technically make the postseason?
0: Oh, for sure. Like there is a bit of a letdown, but let's, also acknowledge the context surrounding the letdown, right? Like, it is impossible to ignore the fact that this roster was decimated by COVID for a large part of the season, in which it was just untimely absences from the likes of their stars. And Trey Young, in the first visit up to MSG, down to John Collins, having to sit out for a, a, an extended period of time. Now, we had a roster full of 10 days for a good week and change. And it was out on a time in which we were headed out to the West Coast. We lose to... Denver, L.A., uh, and a couple of other, like, prominent figures out West that really didn't – it set us behind the eight ball, and we, we were unable to really get ourselves out of that hole, largely because of the lack of defensive prowess for this roster for a large part of the year. So, again, I will wholeheartedly agree with the idea that there was a letdown when you look at this from a macro standpoint. Coach Nate McMillan said so much in a post-game press conference recently. But I think the context is certainly important uh, along with that.
1: Talking with Trevor Scales from Bally Sports Atlanta. And Trevor, real quick, how have you – I guess, been impressed by the development of Trey Young because we're seeing a different side of him this year. Not necessarily career numbers when it comes to points and assists, but we are talking about a guy that had a career best when it comes to PER. He finished sixth in the NBA regular season in player efficiency rating. So how impressive has it been to watch Trey Young come into his own as a player?
0: Yeah, it may may not be career highs in each of those notches, but he did finish with the most total points and most total assists in the NBA. So that's something that, in my mind, if I can get on here and campaign for this man getting the all-NBA, nod, let me go ahead and just take my five seconds to do just that. (laughs) But his growth over even the course of the season, a lot of it was him getting his shots in first and allowing his teammates to create later. That sort of faltered in a lot of different instances for the team. And he learned that when he is able to facilitate early, get the guys engaged around him early, that makes it easier for him. Defensively, people have to fall off of him and protect the shooters that surround him. And then he can go get his whenever he so chooses. That maturity in his game to be able to recognize that difference in pacing and difference in attack, uh, certainly is a level of growth that you you love to see if you're a fan of this team.
1: Well, Trevor, we appreciate a few minutes of your time. Enjoy the game tonight. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon.
0: Big love. Appreciate it thoroughly. I'm just going to be stressed the whole time. I don't know if I'm going to do too much enjoying of it.
1: <laughs> I hear you on that one. That's Bally Sports Atlanta, very own Trevor Scales hopping on ESPN radio with Chris Caney and Amber Wilson coming up next. Your calls, Vince, Corey, Kendall, we see you on a candy call in line. We will get to you on the other side. This is ESPN Radio. Back after this.
0: ESPN Radio.
1: Amber, we got to get into what we saw from Dodgers manager Dave Roberts earlier today in Minnesota. That's coming up in about 10 minutes. You're listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80. I am Chris Canney. She is Amber Wilson, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the Candy calling line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And Amber, right now, we got to go to the Candy calling line, to bring on ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington. And, Jeff, we appreciate you jumping on with us. And to kick things off, we got to ask you about the latest when it comes to the congressional inquiry into the Washington Commanders and where we stand with that.
4: Well, I'll tell you, it it ain't pretty. Um, And and here's the deal. You know, without going too far into the weeds about the allegations, because, quite frankly, I'd suggest uh, anybody who's overly interested should – Go ahead and read uh, the reporting from John Kime on ESPN.com about it. But what I would say is that of all of the awful allegations that have been presented uh, in, the, in the past couple years uh, against the commanders and against Dan Snyder and the organization, uh, none necessarily has to do with, with, uh, with very clear records uh, of bookkeeping when it came to money. And when you start going down that road, uh, there are paper trails that you cannot avoid. And I think that that is a very dangerous thing if you are the commanders wondering what happens next. So um, it is is probably befuddling to a lot of people around the NFL how the commanders have not gotten themselves into more heat given some of the allegations against them over the last few years. But this one, uh, if it continues on, the track that it currently is uh, could could prove to be very, very ugly for the organization.
2: Apparently, workplace misconduct in the NFL won't get it done. But I guess if you're messing with the money of owners, Jeff Darlington, then all of a sudden uh, it's a very different conversation surrounding the Washington commander. So We're we will. Funny. Yeah, of course. Uh, so we will We're be obviously. Obviously waiting to see how that unfolds. Uh, In terms of other breaking NFL news here, the extension for Derek Carr, uh, three years, $121.5 million. We all knew, Jeff, that this was coming, that Derek Carr was going to get extended uh, with a year left on his deal. Were you surprised by any of the details, the no trade clause, the 40 per, anything surrounding this situation?
4: No, it actually feels like a win-win for both the team and the player. Uh, you know, Derek said that he he tried to do this deal in a manner that will allow the team to to uh, retain its talent and continue to sign more talent. Something he said um, didn't necessarily happen the last time he he, he uh, did a deal, and the team ultimately had to trade Khalil Mack to Chicago. He didn't want to see that happen again. Um, and, you know, I think that no trade clause is smart for any player at this point to at least have some power to dictate where you end up if a team if things go sideways. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I, I think it's a good thing. And I think Derek has done a lot to prove not only his ability on the field, even if he has yet to win a playoff game, but also his leadership off the field, the way that he handled, um, really tough circumstances for a person in his situation last year, whether it be the rugs situation or whether it be, uh, the John Gruden situation, uh, he was kind of the steadying force throughout the year in very unsteady times. So um, I think it's, 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 you know, something that he was rewarded for.
1: Talking with ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington on ESPN Radio. And, Jeff, we saw the reports out there that the Rams are interested in quarterback Stephon Gilmore and free agent safety Tyron Matthew. Where do those talks stand, and how the hell are the Rams able to afford either one of those players?
4: (laughs) It's so true. I don't know, man. I'm not really good at math, but I don't know how to keep doing this. But, uh, you know, like it's going to, especially with Tyron Matthew, it's going to be a matter of what he's willing to, to take. There are plenty of teams that would love to sign both Matthew and Gilmore at this point. Uh, and it's going to be a matter of, I guess, where they're willing to play and bring their number down to uh, the point where they'll sign their deal. And if, if they want to kind of hold firm on the number – They can do that. You know, we're now at a point where teams are more likely to wait until after the draft to shell out the kind of dollars that these guys want. So while they are doing these visits, uh, it would not surprise me if they didn't yet sign so that they could instead see what teams do in the draft and then maybe get a bigger payday, uh, maybe a little bit closer to training camp.
2: Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL Insider, on with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. So, Jeff, another day, another Baker Mayfield podcast saying he feels disrespected. The Browns have signed a fourth quarterback in Josh Dobbs. What is happening with this Baker Mayfield situation?
4: Um, Well, I mean, you know, it's important to remember that he's owed $18 million. He's guaranteed that money this coming season. So no team that is a potential trade suitor is going to take on that salary so it's going to be up to the Browns to decide at some point and it doesn't have to be yet um when they're willing to come down from that number and you know basically pay a bulk of that salary and then put the other team on the hook the best analogy I can give you is Teddy Bridgewater last year Carolina Panthers waited until uh, much closer to the draft they ended up Taking on a bulk of his salary, and then the Denver Broncos only paid 4.5 million of it, and it was only a six round pick. That's the kind of deal ultimately that'll probably wind up getting done um, between the Browns and another team, whether that's the Seahawks, the Panthers, or maybe even just a team that's looking for a healthy backup. And uh, Baker Mayfield could be that guy.
1: Jeff, last question from me. We, we knew the Derek Carr extension was going to happen at some point this offseason. I only had one year remaining on his deal and the Raiders have expressed interest that they wanted to retain him. Who's the next quarterback around the National Football League to get an extension this offseason? Oh man, that's a great question.
4: I don't know that this offseason, I mean Lamar Jackson's the obvious choice there, but he's kind of been an interesting one because um, the Ravens have even said that, ownership Steve Bishotti has said that Lamar isn't really taking their phone calls when it comes to an extension, and it's not bad blood, it's more that Lamar kind of wants to do things on his time. And, and uh, it's one of the, as, as he put it, it's the most unique um, negotiation he's ever been a part of. So I could see, for instance, Lamar Jackson, who should be the next one to get done, actually playing out his fifth-year deal and, then, and going from there. So um, I, I'd like to say Lamar Jackson, but it does not feel like it's trending in that direction right now.
1: All right, Jeff. Well, we appreciate your insight. Appreciate a few minutes. We'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. That's ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington jumping on ESPN radio. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN radio. Tune in to play in action tonight as the Hawks host the Hornets, followed by Spurs at Pelicans. Presented by Indeed, coverage begins at 630 Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Coming up next... Amber, we got to talk about what we saw from the Dodgers manager in Minnesota. That'll be on deck, pun intended. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canny, ESPN Radio.
0: ESPN Radio.
1: Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio. And Amber, sounds like we might have to have a little show beef because one day Bart Scott laid down a challenge Scott across all the radio shows on the ESPN National Radio Network saying that him and Alan Hahn could beat any two hosts in two-on-two basketball. And I took offense to that because I'm a professional athlete. I'm sure Jay Will took offense to it because he actually played in the NBA, not to win, mention winning a national title and being the player of the year in college. All I'm saying is this, Amber – I don't know that we would win in a two-on-two tournament across all of the ESPN radio shows, but we're not going to lose because if we don't win, nobody's finishing the game, and that's just where I'm at with it. But let's go to the sound that actually started the beef. Here's Bart Scott laying down the gauntlet. Take a listen.
4: The smoke came early this morning.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh Alex, yeah. We didn't st- 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 stutter. Did mm-hmm. they think when they called us on their show that we were going to recant oh, no. that we were going to take a step back? Oh, oh no. We
0: are our habitual line steppers and we believe what we say and we say what we believe. I, I completely agree. Like I'm not like, when I went on this morning, they were all just like, Are you serious
4: about this? I'm like, What do you mean? He said it, didn't he? It's my partner, isn't it? I'll tell you what we did though for them. But that's the first time they talk like a team. Exactly. That's the first time I've ever heard them talk like a team. They've been—they nice. ra- Roscoe okay. Jenkins over yeah, there. You're welcome. We just made you a team. We just—we just gave you a bonding moment. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> hey, remember? Remember on uh, White Man Can't Jump, what's the dudes that kept always arguing with each other? Yeah, so they can never get it figured right, out. Right, right, right. That's half the battle, son. Yes, that's it. Cohesion, that's it. chemistry, baby. Mm-hmm. That's what we have. That's our weapon. There's no doubt about that. I don't know, Amber. I don't know if I could buy into all of that. You could be on the same page as your co-host. That still don't mean you're going to be able to win in a two-on-two tournament. I'm not buying it.
2: That was some radio on radio beef, if I've ever heard it, where they were taking the low-key shots at the morning show saying that they gave them the material to finally be a team. This is just an outlandish take, though, from Bart Scott, because, first of all, like you mentioned, Jay Will has actually played basketball. So if anybody who works at ESPN Radio should be offended, it's the dude who played basketball at the most elite level that you can play it and was one of the best college players ever. So there's that component of this. And then there's your size. I mean, if if you and I are taking on anybody in a two-on-two, I'm just standing and hiding behind you. I'm just going to let you take it with your size. Bart Scott is not as large as Chris Canty, for those of you who aren't Not even
1: close, Amber, and he's two years older than me, and that's the other part (laughs) that I have as an advantage. I'm still in my 30s. I don't think anybody else on our national radio network is, so I'm just saying side with youth and size and athleticism.
0: ESPN, ESPN radio
1: Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN radio and ESPN plus we're presented by progressive insurance we'll get to what Dodgers manager Dave Roberts did in a head-scratching move up in Minnesota in a few moments but right now we got to go out to the candy call-in line and bring on Corey in Washington Corey you're on ESPN radio what up well
4: how are you guys doing today thank you guys for having me on um uh, Big Chargers fan, so I just wanted to say I love this Derek Carr extension. Hasn't won a playoff game, gets a lot off of yak yardage, uh, but you know if you gotta pay forty mil to you know babysit a dysfunctional organization, I think this is a great move by Mark Davis. Uh, I think it puts my Chargers in prime position to you know take over the AFC West and have one less stepping stone to you know hop over. Considering we got Russ over in Denver and KC is KC, so but uh, I'm just wondering. I mean, what what what's the motive here? Like, what, what are you paying forty million for?
1: Well, here's the thing, Corey, and we appreciate the call. If you don't have a quarterback, then you don't have a chance to compete in the NFL. All of the teams that won their divisions last year had the best quarterback play in said division. So that's how important the position is. And if you look at what Derek Carr did for that franchise last year, being able to steer them in a very tumultuous time where they lost their head coach to Scandal, where there was the tragedy in the Henry Ruggs car accident that led to loss of life and him essentially losing his NFL career, and then you had Damon Arnett, a failed first-round draft pick that ended up getting cut because of putting some ridiculous stuff on social media. There were a lot of things going on, and yet this franchise found themselves in a playoff hunt in Week 18, and Derek Carr delivered them to a playoff berth. I I think that counts for something that matters, and for a quarterback going into his final year of the contract – The Raiders had to make a decision on what they wanted to do, and ultimately I think they made the right decision in paying Derek Carr, even though it might not yield the returns they're looking for in year one of that contract.
2: The stability matters. The leadership matters. All those things that you mentioned from last season absolutely matter. And the fact that Derek Carr is a good quarterback matters a whole lot because where else were you going to go? And we had a caller earlier in the show say, They didn't need to pay him now. Why pay him now? Well, you had one year left on his deal. What are you going to do? You're going to let him hit a free agent market, and then you think you're going to retain him, and then you think you're going to somehow get him cheaper? The way that the market goes in the way that a lot of these teams are so desperate for a quarterback Amber, you
1: probably couldn't even franchise him the franchise tag number would be more than what he's so gonna much. get on his new money average
2: so much it wouldn't it wouldn't have made any sense for the Raiders to do that so some of this yeah. you have to consider the situation the Raiders found themselves in it's not all about is Derek Carr the best quarterback in the entire NFL a lot of it is that the Raiders found themselves in a position where listen you have a good one And you've got that stability and you need more of that stability and leadership moving forward. You have a new coaching staff coming in. We know all the adversity that team faced last season. This was a a way to lock it in and lock it in, frankly, as astronomical as it seems with these numbers right now. And with this quarterback market, you're still locking it in for less than you might have otherwise found yourself in in this position to pay.
1: Amber, the way I see it, you got enough problems if you're the Las Vegas Raiders. You don't need to add on top of that trying to find another franchise quarterback. But, Amber, we also got to pivot and get to the L.A. Dodgers. We've been talking about it for the last 20 minutes. I wanted to get to it. We got to pay off the tees because What we saw from manager Dave Roberts up in Minnesota was absolutely ridiculous. So the Dodgers are taking on the Twins, and the Dodgers are cruising behind the strength of one Clayton Kershaw, who threw seven hitless, scoreless innings, 13 strikeouts, no walked batters, on 80 total pitches. And Dave Roberts makes the decision to pull Clayton Kershaw, his ace, because it's too early in the season to push your starting pitcher. Now, according to our very own Jeff Passan, there have only been 23 perfect games thrown in Major League Baseball history. Now, Clayton Kershaw has thrown a no-hitter, but we're not talking about a perfect game. Perfect game means no walk-batters, no hits, none of that stuff, no nonsense, no base runners. Clayton Kershaw was on his way to doing that with 80 pitches, Amber. He, he, he was on his way. He was in complete control. And the only reason that manager Dave Roberts pulled him out was because he felt like it was too early in the season to push your starting pitcher. How do you feel about Dave Roberts making this decision.
2: Yeah, perfect through seven, to your point. Perfect. I mean, it would have been the second no-hitter of his career. Fine. We've seen no-hitters. I mean, even in Dodgers history, there's been 26 of those. There's only been one other perfect game in franchise history. It was Sandy Koufax. In 1965, Chris Canty, and that's what could have occurred in 2022, if not for the manager's decision on an 80 pitch count. I do not understand this. Listen, I am not out here pretending to be some baseball expert or even (laughs) like a diehard baseball fan. I don't understand these decisions by baseball because this to me is why I have a hard time becoming a baseball expert or a diehard fan frankly what? because for me don't, well like don't you want the perfect games if you're baseball and also isn't it at the beginning of the season like if, all right fine it, what happens if you don't have him for a couple weeks because he's extra tired and he needs to rest his arm like it's the beginning of the season we got a lot of games left
1: No doubt about it. But, Amber, let's see if Dave Roberts can make it make sense, in his own words, why he made the decision to pull Kershaw. Take a listen. Basically, after the uh, sixth inning, I just went to him and said, hey, where are we at? What do you got? Um, And he said, I'd like to go back out there for the seventh. And um, 80, 85 pitches, that's kind of where I want to finish. And um, it makes sense. Um, And I was good with that. And uh, the shortened spring training – I felt it was a win to get him built up to 5-75. and 75. But when you're talking about uh, being up and down seven times, um, that's, that's something. And I can't quantify it. Um, but talking to a lot of people that have been around this game for a long time, the ups and downs certainly matter. And uh, he got to 80 pitches, and I felt that the stuff was starting to tick down, uh, talking to Austin and Clayton himself. And so, you know, I think there's a point where you just got to decide. I got to decide um, to what end. And here's the thing, Amber, I'll say this. It is early in the season, his second start, and it was 36 degrees in Minneapolis today. So all of those things matter in terms of maintaining Clayton Kershaw's health because Dave Roberts, it's not about trying to win the battle of allowing your ace to have a perfect game. It's about trying to win a war and win a championship, and that's the aspirations that the Dodgers have, especially given the amount of money that they've dumped into their payroll. So I'm sure a lot of fallout from that. We've also got some fallout from the NBA. We'll get back to the Nets and what they did last night against the Cavs.